The scripture reading for today comes from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will, be, will give to him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This is the word of the Lord. It is absolutely true and given to us in love. Well, good morning. As Michael mentioned earlier, we're in the second week of Advent. And Advent is a unique season in the calendar of the church. It's a time where we look back and celebrate Christ's birth and coming into the world And it's also a time of looking forward to his return when Jesus comes and there'll be no more murders, no more acts of violence, no more cancer diagnosis, no more mental health issues, no more war, no more sadness, and no more pain. Fleming Rutledge says this about Advent, in a very deep sense, the entire Christian life in this world is lived in Advent. Between the first and second comings of the Lord, in the midst of the tension between things the way they are, are and, the thing, and things the way they ought to be, to be a Christian is to live every day of our lives in solidarity with those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death, but to live in the unshakable hope of those who expect the dawn. So this morning, we acknowledge the loss and sorrow that so many in our midst are feeling. We weep with those who weep. And we hold hands with those who are struggling with fears and doubts. And this morning, we speak words of hope to one another, no matter what our circumstance. Advent gives space for lament and hope. And this morning, as we look at our text, we see hope breaking through the darkness. We see God's promises being fulfilled in the most unlikely manner. And we see the path forward. In our passage this morning, Luke teaches us two things. First, nothing is impossible with God. And then secondly... Let it be. Let me pray for us. Father, we're grateful this morning for the opportunity, the privilege to come and worship. 
And Lord, we recognize there's evangelical churches, gospel-leaving churches all over the city that are worshiping right now. And we pray your blessing on those churches. We pray that they would have ears to hear from you this morning. And we pray that we would have ears to hear. So come, Holy Spirit, come. Teach us from this ancient text. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to open them or you can look in your bulletins. And the first thing that I want us to consider this morning is that nothing is impossible with God. Now, if you've been watching the World Cup at all, you've noticed that Adidas, they have this new ad campaign. And the slogan of the campaign is impossible is nothing. Impossible is nothing. And in these 30-second spots, you see a Muslim woman who plays basketball, and she is playing and defying the naysayers, and she's playing with her hijab. It shows other athletes doing their part to save planet Earth by ridding the planet of plastic products. The premise of the ad campaign is that nothing can stop you from whatever you want, even transcending your own body. And while the ads, they're extremely well done, they simply are not true. As Alphaba says in Wicked, we are limited. Some things are simply impossible for us as humans. However, God can confidently declare impossible is nothing. God created the world. He extended grace to Adam and Eve when they disobeyed him. And he could have destroyed the world and mankind, but yet he set forth a rescue plan. And then after nearly 400 years of silence, God speaks. He sends Gabriel to the most unlikely of persons in one of the most undesirable places, to announce the moment that God has been waiting for forever. The Jesus Storybook says, God was coming to help his people, just as he promised in the beginning. Mountains would have bowed down, seas would have roared, trees would have clapped their hands, but the earth held its breath. As silent as snow falling, he came in. And when no one was looking in the darkness... He came. Luke writes in chapter 1, verse 26 to 28, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. Gabriel came to a girl from the ghetto, Nazareth, And he says to her, God has a mission for you. Don't you see the the beautiful and amazing thing about God? He does the impossible. He does what no other gods claim to do. He chooses Mary, a virgin who lives in Nazareth, to do seemingly the impossible task to carry and give birth to the Son of God. In verse 28, he says, Greetings, 
oh favored one. The Lord is with you. God has chosen you, Mary. He has separated you out for this task. It's yours and yours alone to bear. I think of the, the conversation between Gladriel and Frodo in the Fellowship of the Rings. Gladriel says this to Frodo, You are a ring bearer, Frodo. To bear a ring of power is to be alone. This task was appointed to you. And if you do not find a way, no one will. In verse 29, Luke tells us that Mary, she was greatly troubled at the saying. And she tried to discern what sort of greeting that Gabriel had brought to her. She was fearful. She was perplexed. And then in verse 30 through 33, the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. And I love Mary's very human response in verse 34. Like any of us who have been told a shocking news, all that Mary heard in that moment was, you're pregnant. And everything else that Gabriel had said just went right over her head. And so what does she say to Gabriel? In a very innocent and respectful manner, uh, how, how will this be since I'm a virgin? How in the world am I going to have a baby when Joseph and I haven't even consummated our relationship? And I love the gentleness and grace that Gabriel demonstrates in his response. He says to her in verse 35, let me explain. Let me explain what's going to happen to you, Mary. The Holy Spirit will come. It'll come. He will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Deep breaths, Mary. Deep breaths as she's thinking about this news. Because now not only does she understand that she's pregnant and that she's going to to have a child, but this child is going to be a king. The embryo the Holy Spirit places inside of you, he will be fully human and fully God. He will not be marred with sin. He will be perfect, holy, set apart. He will be the Son of God. He will be the long-awaited Savior that you've heard stories about your whole life who is coming to rescue us from our sin and to restore the world. He will be king of kings in the lineage of David. He will reign over the house of Jacob. He will establish his kingdom in the hearts of men, women, and children. He will, as Harrison mentioned last week, bring shalom, restoring life as it was intended to be. He will be restoring Eden the way it was before it was tainted by sin. His physical kingdom, it will know no end. It will never stop progressing no matter how dire the world around you looks. No matter how many loved ones. Mary, you're going to see martyred for his sake. 
His kingdom will last forever. The baby inside of you will bring shalom, wholeness, peace, restoration into our world. And Gabriel says to Mary, if this wasn't great news in and of itself, I want to tell you something else. Your cousin Elizabeth, who has struggled to get pregnant, she too is going to conceive a son. And we know from the other gospel accounts that his name, his name will be John the Baptist, and he will prepare the way for the Lord. Humans are finite. Humans can never say impossible is nothing. But God, in verse 37, says this, nothing will be impossible with God. God can do all things God has chosen you to bear his holy begotten son who will bring about the redemption and restoration of the world. How do we have hope in this in-between time of the now and not yet? How do we persevere when everything around us is crumbling? We have hope because the God of the universe came down into our world. We have hope because God's Son lived and died and was raised again. We have hope because Christ is coming again to make all things new. Mark 10, 27, Jesus says, With man it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. Philippians 4 13, Paul, knowing the truth of the gospel, declares, I can do all things not through my strength, but through Christ who strengthens me. Our hope, this side of heaven, is not founded in human ingenuity and innovation. It's not founded in Buddha or Muhammad or any of the other dead prophets. Our hope is founded in the risen Savior. The Lord Jesus Christ, who can say, impossible is nothing. He was before all things, and in him and through him all things have been created. One of my favorite gospel singers is Cece Winans. And she has this song that's been playing on the radio that I keep hearing again and again. And these words have brought such comfort to me as I grieve the loss of both of my parents. And as I grieve the loss of my own brokenness, she writes this. They say this mountain can't be moved. They say these chains will never break. But they don't know you like we do. There is power in your name. We've heard that there's no way through. We've heard the tide will never change. They haven't seen what you can do. There is power in your name. Move the unmovable. Break the unbreakable. God, we believe. From the impossible, we'll see a miracle. We know that hope is never lost. For, for there's still an empty grave. God, we believe. No matter what, there is power in your name. So much power in your name. I wonder this morning, 
What are the impossibles in your life? What mountains are you facing? Maybe it's a besetting sin. Maybe it's a broken relationship. Maybe it's a marriage that's stuck and doesn't feel like it's ever going to be restored. Maybe it's a cancer diagnosis. Maybe it's a death of a loved one. Adidas' slogan is impossible is nothing. And their slogan is false for we humans. But it is true for God. For nothing will be impossible with God. He's unlimited. He's infinite. He is God. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And his kingdom, Gabriel says, will reign forever and ever and ever. And he dwells in all of us who profess faith in him. So the first thing we see this morning in our text is nothing is impossible with God. And secondly, we see Mary's response, the call to let it be. A few nights ago, I went for a walk in our neighborhood, and we have all these beautiful balls up in the trees. And I started thinking about what Mary must have been thinking about. And um, she, if you put her, yourself in her shoes, she, like most young women her age, she probably dreamed of falling in love, having a family, living in Nazareth, having a normal life, having her children get married, and then having grandkids. And then she met Joseph, and he was the one for her. They were in love. They were engaged to be married. They had their whole lives in front of them, endless possibilities, dreams of a long yet uneventful future. Then God sends his number one angel, Gabriel, to speak with her. And he tells her that she has found favor with God. God has a special task for you, Mary. Now talk about, if you put yourself in her shoes, talk about a major interruption in her plans for her life. Then Gabriel tells her that she's going to carry and give birth to the Son of God. I think of Lynn Manuel and, and Hamilton's refrain. Uh, she would have said, what? I'm going to give birth? And in an instant, all of her hopes and dreams died. In an instant, everything she thought her life was going to be vanquished. The thought of Joseph and her living happily ever after in their humble abode in Nazareth, Nazareth was gone. God had a different plan for Mary's life. And while the text tells us that Mary was afraid, perplexed, not fully understanding what was going on, she knew that from this minute on, her life would not be the same. She would be the caregiver for the Son of God. She would be at the center of the great restoration of the world. And as she pondered all of these things, she could have done what Sarah did when God came to her and told Sarah that she was going to have a son. Sarah laughed at God. And what does God say to Sarah? He says, is anything too wonderful 
<clears throat> for God. Mary could have scoffed at God. Like Zechariah. She could have scoffed like Zechariah did <clears throat> when Gabriel came to him and told him that, that his barren wife, Elizabeth, <clears throat> was going to have a child who would prepare the way of the Lord, John the Baptist. But Mary, <clears throat> she responded differently than Sarah and Zechariah. I swallowed something. I don't know what it was. <clears throat> but she was, she was a teenager, betrothed to love her, her husband, Joseph. And she could have responded like Sarah, Sarah and Zechariah, but she didn't. In verse 38, Mary said this. I think it's one of the most beautiful Statements in Scripture. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Mary responded just like her beloved son did 33 years later in the Garden of Gethsemane. Not my will, but thy will be done. Mary said to Gabriel, with humility and faith, let it be. Not a, a fatalistic, it is what it is, as Harrison mentioned last week, but a willingly, willingly embracing God's plan for her life and her family. Mary surrendered her hopes and dreams for her life to the Lord. She said, I am the servant of the Lord, not the master. Have your way with me. I will let God dictate what he does with me. I will surrender my body. I will surrender my family. I will surrender all my hopes and my dreams. <clears throat> I will surrender everything to the Lord. Let it be. Paul McCartney, having grown up Catholic, wrote a song about this text that I'm sure all of you have heard called Let It Be. And he says this, when I find myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me, speaking words of wisdom, let it be. And in my hour of darkness, she's standing right in front of me, speaking words of wisdom, let it be. And when the night is cloudy, there is still a light that shines on me. Shine until tomorrow, let it be. I wake up to the sound of music. Mother Mary comes to me. There will be no sorrow. Let it be. <coughs> How are we to, to respond to the God who does the impossible? How are we to live <coughs> with hope in between Christ's coming in his second coming. <clears throat> we echo Mary's words here. And Jesus' words in the Garden of Gethsemane. Let it be. Not my will, but thy will be done. And so the question this morning for us is what is he asking you 
to surrender to him today? What does it look like for you to say to him today, let it be? I trust you. And as I was on my walk through the neighborhood and I was thinking about Mary and her response and how she was able to surrender, I was thinking about my own life and some things that God is calling me to that I feel like are really hard things. And as I was walking, I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying to me, Todd, let it be. Surrender to me. I know it's hard, but it's also beautiful. The life of surrender is the way of the cross. It is the road less traveled. It will be full of great joy and deep sorrow. It will be wonderful and it will be difficult. It will be lovely and it will be lonely. But through it all, if we choose to let God have his way with us, we can be assured that we have Emmanuel, God with us, the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. How do we live in this time of the now and not yet? Christ's first coming and his second. In a world that's broken, full of sorrow and sadness, how do we maintain hope? We maintain hope because we remember that nothing, nothing is impossible with God. We maintain hope Because we know that if we surrender our wills to his, even if that means that we go to the cross and we die, and we will, we can have everlasting life. Let me end with the quote that I read at the beginning of the sermon describing Advent. I believe it's a timely word for us in the light of our text and as we move through the Advent season Fleming Rutledge says this about Advent. In a very deep sense, the entire Christian life in this world is lived in Advent. Between the first and second comings of the Lord, in the midst of the tension between things the way they are and things the way they ought to be. To be a Christian is to live every day of our lives in solidarity with those who sit in darkness, in the shadow of death, but to live in the unshakable hope of those who expect the dawn. May we be a people during Advent that that put our arms beside one another, that we weep with those who weep, and that we offer hope in the midst of the darkness knowing that our Savior has come and our Savior will come again. Amen.